Hello and welcome to another Left Wing Back podcast special with me, Kevin Regan. Today I'll be speaking to Daniel St. Ledger, who in the past few days has announced his retirement from inter-county football at the age of 30. We dive into the reasoning behind Daniel's decision to step away from county, and we also recall some very funny stories. Uh, today's episode is uh, sponsored kindly by the Back in Line Injury and Rehabilitation Clinic belonging to Lavin Tony Gall. And uh, of course, the owner of that particular business is Mr. Paul Kelly, and I thank Paul for that. And I also thank him for his uh, assistance in this program. Program. I'm going to call him the assistant producer as one or two stories near the end which are very funny may or may not have been prompted by Paul take a listen to this Daniel great to have you on the left wing back podcast um, a big decision you've made in the last few days to step away from inter-county football with Carlo you gave 13 years I think and um, it's not a decision you took lightly I would say how much thought have you put into this um yeah probably about a year and a half Kevin to be honest with you um I, I was probably kind of humming and on after after we got went back to Division Four. I wasn't sure what was really happening, and I kind of said, "Look, Poacher is coming back, Torlo is coming back," and I said, "Give give it one last rattle and go again," you know, because I suppose I know it wouldn't be. <laughs> I'm not totally over the hill yet, but still, it, it was a long old slog, you know. It was whatever it was, twelve years before before last, but um, yeah, kind of. I got a bit of a niggle before, just before I started the league this year and couldn't get myself back right. And I was into the team and out of the team and just not feeling myself totally. And, and obviously things weren't going great either with us. Like, you know, and I suppose after the highs of the previous couple of years, it was very hard to kind of, kind of stomach taking a backward step, you know. But um, yeah, then look, it's it's definitely was something that was in my head. And when, when COVID took over, I, I was kind of worried, you know, Jesus, how will I live without the routine and all that kind of stuff. But I've actually, I think we've adapted fairly well, you know, which which is probably a good thing because I know a lot of footballers will say, or hurlers, whatever it is, will say when they leave for the first few months, it's hard just to be away from the group and be be away from the the, the schedule, you know, the the gym sessions, the trainings, the, the matches in the weekend, you know, the, the kind of regimented routine that we all do. But um, no, look, it, it's uh, in a sense, it was kind of an easy decision, and I, and I knew once that was the case, it was the right one, you know. It was it was probably. I, I knew the time. I knew the time was there when, when I finally did pull the plug on it. You know. Yeah. Well, you gave incredible service first of all, and I have to congratulate you on that because a lot of lads wouldn't stick through what you had to stick through because there was a lot of bad before it was good. And the other thing I would say is that you're thirty heading for thirty one. It's still quite young, but it's a trend we're kind of seeing now with inter-county players that they are stepping away that bit earlier. And what's your kind of you've outlined some of those reasons, but. Is it more taxing on the body, do you think, that th- these days, obviously in comparison to maybe going back in, in time, like the demands of the player means that you kind of had to step away that bit earlier? Yeah, possibly so. Like, I, I de- I'd probably say that there's, there's more knowledge and kind of what the training we're doing is probably more uh, more specific and you're, you're not really being flogged, you know, you're, and you're being very careful with before games and after games, not, not to be picking up injuries and different things. But so sometimes... Sometimes it's probably psychologically worse than than physically. You know, I actually feel pretty good after after three months of COVID. You know, because you you've nothing else to do but train. You know, so it was, it was a ball has been forced to go out and run. Like, but it's it, you know, it's definitely more psychological. And may, look, maybe if my circumstances were different, and you know, if I was living in Carlo, possibly, um, like the traveling, the traveling just takes an enormous toll. Like, it was, it was so funny. I even moved. We were building in the, in the all at the moment myself and Laura and. We were living in Sagard and we, we've moved in with her parents for a while and the Nall to Sagard is about 40 minutes and, and that extra 40 minutes at night, you know, on a Tuesday, it meant you're getting home at quarter to 12 instead of 11 o'clock or whatever it is, you know, so that, that extra bit of driving used to absolutely cripple me and, 
you know, it's probably easier maybe when you're 24, 25 to do, do the drive, jump out and get into, get onto training session. But kind of, I, that was something I found particularly hard this year was, was just the constant driving and probably what, what led to a couple of my injuries, just silly little soft tissue stuff, you know? So it's, um, I, I'd say it's definitely, it's, it's definitely a trend in, in so far as probably players are, players are putting more into themselves, even not being driven by managers or stuff, but even themselves, they want to be the absolute best they possibly can be. And, and they'll probably go to crazy lengths sometimes, you know, but, but I think that's, that's, that's the, the, the name of the game, you know, because the rewards are, are incredible. Like, I mean, I've said this a couple of times over the years, but, but football has given me some of the best days and some of the best friends that I'll ever have. And I can see why someone would absolutely kill themselves to, to be in a county panel, you know? Absolutely. Well, look, you've mentioned some of those reasons and I know you've one or two things going on as well. I'm not quite sure if you want to delve into that in detail or not, but I suppose it kind of was a factor in, in stepping away too. Yeah, it, it was actually funny. I, I was I, I spent five days in, in Limerick Hospital. I, I've had a couple of seizures in the last six years um, and I got a diagnosis of nocturnal epilepsy, which basically means you get seizures in your sleep. Now, I've only had two, but it was funny. I probably wasn't ever going to tell anyone, not tell anyone, but kind of not really put it out on, on, the, on the frequencies. But I was listening to your podcast with Simon in hospital and I just found it so refreshing how, how honest Simon Ray, how honest he was and talking about kind of the anxiety I had around football and stuff. And it kind of, it give you a little bit of strength to hear someone of his caliber who you think is unbelievably confident and everything is going great, you know, that he has, he has these things going on as well. And I suppose there's probably not many, there's not, there's not many people that don't have a whole heap of things going on. You know, you're out in a pitch and you just see a, a lad missing a free or you might see a lad making a mistake and you, you don't, re- you mightn't realize how many other things are going on in his life, you know? So Look, yeah, I, 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 it definitely didn't influence my decision to stop. You know, it's not, it's not something that, that if I wanted to keep going, I could have definitely. But it, it, I had five days on my own in there, and I couldn't have visitors. And you probably have a huge time to think and and reassess maybe where you're going with it and and how things had been. And I don't think, I think I was possibly get turned into a bit of a, a negative influence as such because I was always wondering why aren't things as good as they had been, and maybe that's not fair on. And lads in the panel to be to be always picking out what's going wrong the whole time, and I could kind of feel that coming into myself. And I, I didn't I didn't like that side of me either, you know. And I, I think you need to be to, to 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 play with with any county, but especially to play with a Division Four county, you need to have a really really positive outlook, and you need to be extremely resilient. And I think that positivity was possibly going away from me a little bit in the last year or two. Right, yeah, and look, I admire you for actually speaking out about this as well, and um, I don't want to lead us down the garden path with that, but look, you, you, you said it, I suppose, and just to back up what you're saying, you're absolutely 100%. Um, everyone does have that bit of a battle, be it mental or physical, and I suppose even from the mental side of things then, like, there's so much sledging going on in the game, there's lads calling other lads all sorts of shit, like, and it's something we kind of see, and I mean, I know there's no room for sentiment in a lot of ways, but sometimes, like, lads have to be careful don't they because shit is going on in people's lives as well and there's more to life than just football like absolutely absolutely and look i i'd, I'd be no angel either you know but uh, but i think there's a line to be to be drawn at a certain stage as well but i i suppose like division four for for whatever we had 11 or 12 years of my career and a lot of bad days you know you certainly build up a certain amount of resilience to it you know and I guess you've heard an awful lot of stuff and, and, and there's probably been a lot of things said to you and said about you. And 
you know yourself now in, in Dr. Cullen when there might have been too many people and you'd hear every every mistake you've, you've made, you'd hear every comment from the stand. But, you know, over the last couple of days, some of the nice words I've got from, from players from other counties, from from other clubs in Carlo, from, from supporters, it's kind of been humbling really, you know. And I suppose I've been lucky that I've, I've never had such a severe event that it caused me like enough to be dropping off a panel or, or to have anything like that. But I, I suppose you just don't know what's going on in people's lives. And, and that's why probably the role of a manager nowadays is so important as well, because if you don't know, like, you know, how your players are outside of football, I don't think you're going to get anything back from them in football, you know, and that's probably something that Tarla was, was incredible at and probably doesn't get enough credit for, like how, how mindful he was of players, of their jobs, of their families. And, and that's probably why he got such a, had such, such success with us over the few years, you know. Yeah, and we'll come to that, I suppose, a little bit later on, uh, if we may. But uh, you mentioned some of the people that have been getting in touch. You even got a compliment from you and McKenna. I mean, uh, <laughs> I had to check twice there to make sure it was actually happening. So you must have done something right over the last 13 years. I don't know. I didn't think anyone from Kildare liked us after a few years. But obviously, obviously <laughs> it was um, yeah, look, it was, it was a lovely thing. It was the phone kind of exploded after. You know, he'd have a fair few more followers than I would know. But um, yeah, it, it was kind of, it's, it's, it's funny when you see it, like, because... I know myself, I didn't particularly want to, I didn't want to go into a big deal about it. Or I know if lads had released statements or these different things, I just didn't think was needed really because I, I have my own group of friends and family and, and, and previous managers and stuff who I'd have spoken to about this. And I just didn't think it was necessary, but then things kind of took off. And so, you know, yourself with social media kind of exploded, but um, it, it's really, it's really humbling. I have to say it because for a lot of those 13 years, you're kind of not sure where you stand and you, you know, I know I'd have had a fair bit of self-doubt um, in, with myself and, you know, you know yourself when things are going well, they're great. And then when things are bad, they can be really bad. And, you know, I, I remember in, in, I think it was Anthony Rehm was second year or first year, post 2013 or 14, we played, or 14, I think, we played Tipperary at home and I got taken off at half time. And I remember going home and I was in absolute bits and I was, I rang my dad and I said, I'm, I'm finished, I'm done. That's it. You know, I was disgusted. And uh, as actually, uh, you won't like me saying this, but Paul Broderick got sent off after a few minutes. And I think uh, I got left with two sweepers around me there around the centre forward spot. So thanks for that, Paul. But um, no, so I, I rang dad and I said, lad, I'm sick of it now, I'm gone. And dad said, look, you, you weren't really playing well enough to be getting thick about this. You're not playing well enough to be pulling off panels. Put your head down, work harder and get on with it. And I think that kind of grounding and that's kind of support I had from from family especially was really good because I'd say at that time like I wasn't mature enough to kind of differentiate and see that and differentiate from a, a one-off reaction and an actual genuine emotion you know and I, I suppose I'm really glad that I, I've had that there because God knows like there's people that mightn't have the support of their family who just can make decisions on emotion sometimes after a match or after a bad game or whatever it is you know so I've, I've been extremely lucky with people I have behind me. Yeah, and that's important. Family and and friends and and partners and all are just so so important. Like, and you mentioned the the self doubt and stuff. And again, similar to what I would have said to Simon, like that never would have struck me at all. Like, I mean, when you guys were playing um, at minor level and you got to the Leinster final, I'm only a couple of years younger than you, and we were actually on the what do you call it, the under sixteen county, the Grey Bloy, um, that same year. We were looking up to you, like gods and I mean talk about composure and everything you looked like one of those confident players you never seemed like a lad that would have had self-doubt and certainly didn't reflect so on your performances anyway 
Yeah, so I, it's, it's funny. It probably only came maybe in later years. And when, when you hit the senior, you, I remember kind of that, that minor was, was just like a whirlwind of a time. And maybe you're, you're kind of, you know, the naivety of youth. You don't, really, you don't really know what it's like, you know, because I suppose we were the first kind of Carlo team to have success in a long time. And everybody was so complimentary. And it was just a phenomenal time. And you probably don't know what it's like to be to be in a senior panel that, that isn't successful. And you know, it, and you were a captain as well. Just to add that in, actually, you were a captain that year with the minors. Yeah, yeah and and a lot of the lads, like a lot of the core group, that kind of have stayed playing. You know, and we like we had a phenomenally good team and and management. And Declan McGovern was was an unbelievable manager. It's an awful pity he never got kind of he, he never got to take Carlos seniors because I think he would have been he would have been incredible. But it was um, yeah, I just remember getting like especially the first couple of league games. I'd be getting so worked up about you know not playing well and you'd be nervous and at that time I was playing kind of corner forward and when you're playing inside like you might only get four touches in a game so they have to be kind of perfect you know or else you're not making an impact whereas out around the middle you can kind of get your hands in some easy ball and kind of just do some simple things to get you going but yeah like and you know you definitely you're definitely conscious of what's been said and if you see something in a paper or you know you'll always hear a comment here or there and it's probably you know you could hear 400 really nice things but it's always the, the 10 bad things that will kind of stick in your craw a little bit you know and, and kind of you'll hold on to so but look I, I don't think uh, you know I'm not looking for pity or anything I think every every player has to deal with that you know a little bit of self-doubt and I think if you're if you're totally confident in yourself you're probably settling a little bit and you're, and you're not working on it you know so it's not necessarily a bad thing but but definitely um definitely you'd be so aware of kind of some of the commentary that will be out there definitely that was some journey that year, Daniel. I mean, to, <laughs> to take us all the way up to, you know, I think it was loud in the semi-final um, of that particular championship in, in minor and Brendan obviously got sent off that day. It was subsequently overturned, but by God, that was one hell of a journey that year. Yeah, it was incredible. I actually, I probably owe Brendan a few points because I kind of, I think I half started that row and he was the one that got picked out. So uh, <laughs> I was thankful anyway that I didn't get sent off, but he, he was kind of scapegoated a bit, but yeah, that it was that was that was incredible. It really was like it was such a time to be to be around Carlo, and you know you'd be even floating in around the town, and lads would be saying best of luck to you and different things, and it was just you'd be walking on air, like you know you really would. And I suppose we were kind of it's, it's just the way it came, you know. We just happened to have a good group of players all at once, like you know. And it's it's funny when I remember going back to the under fifteen and meeting meeting some of the lads for the first time, and the first lad I sat beside was. Was Shane Redmond? I was thinking, geez, he's the only Aerog lad now. That's our only non-Aerog lad here. So I zip side, I zip side another culty lad, and it kind of just grew from there, you know. And it's you know some incredible bonds, like, and and still, still that group would be some of my best friends. Like, you know, we really, we really would have been so tight. And God, it was it was something special. Like I remember that 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 Leinster final against Leash. Like that that Leash team were absolutely incredible. Like they were they had some unbelievable players. I think you know. John O'Loughlin, Donny Kingston, uh, Connor Meredith, Zach Tui, like, I mean, to, to just to name a few, like, you know, I mean, how many professional athletes have you, do you have in there even that were over in Aussie Rose? Like, it was, it was, it was a phenomenal game and it probably won that kind of still wreck your head. I know there's 18 minutes of it on YouTube that I'd watch back regularly enough when you'd be bored and you'd just be, God, you'd be sick to the teeth. But it kind of, I suppose it started something for, it started something for us and, it kind of it kind of showed how good things could get, you know. And we were very lucky to have that because if you if you're never kind of if you never kind of experience some of the good days, it's very easy to get bogged down in all the bad. And I think that minor year definitely was something that I suppose helped me keep going possibly during the bad days because I was I was aware that there was always something there if we if we got things right that we actually had the makings of a panel, you know. So 
I suppose in in a sense like it was it was it was crucial to, to our development I think that group's development you know to, to have that because it, it definitely it definitely brought us closer as a team and, and that kind of that that core unit kind of stuck together right right up until this year you know yeah, absolutely. It was the, the nucleus for the team for the last, you know, 13 years or, or whatever. But, um, you know, the a very good Galway team who became All-Ireland champions beat you in that quarterfinal. Paul Conroy, I think, was, was was captain of that team. And um, the Great White Hope then was three years later and Paddy's Day against Dublin. Another one that probably gives you nightmares. But, oh, Jesus, I still think about that free myself near the end that, that Brendan definitely should have got. I'm sure you're in agreement with this. It was Stonewall. <laughs> I uh, I've had to learn not to blame referees too much now because <laughs> Turlo's ever setting a bad example for his foot. <laughs> no, to be honest with you, Kevin, that was that was a horrible day. Um, in general, for, look for me personally, it, it probably was a huge learning curve for me in my development because I got sent off stupidly against Offaly. Um, Dara Foley is getting bet up by three or four lads to go in and protect him. So I uh, I ended up getting the red and, and, missed, and missed the day. I was probably, I, I kind of got injured in the Offaly game anyway, so I probably would have missed the double match. But that was one of the hardest things I've I've had to go through watching that. And I just I just felt so stupid, really, to be honest with you. I just felt ridiculous for being so immature to go up and be getting involved in stuff like that when we were winning the game against Offaly. And, and to miss out in that Dublin game was... Oh, it was it was awful, like you know. But the lads, like the performance that day, was just incredible. Like I'll never forget the the, the stand was absolutely rocking, you know. And it was, it, I think it just would have taken just one result like that to to kind of start a whole new generation again. As I said, with that minor team, it, that that kind of getting to that Leinster final was like if we if we'd won that, it would have been just incredible. And I think we were just Carlo were crying out for a team to support. And you think you you can see that in the last couple of years when things were going well, the support we had. But it was. Um, God, it, it was it was such a hard thing to watch because the, the performance that day was absolutely incredible. Like some unbelievable performances against probably the, the spine of the Dublin team at the moment. Like, I mean, you had Rory O'Carroll, James McCarthy, Dean Rock was playing and sure God knows how many more. Like, you know, so stuff like that kind of would, would keep the drive in you because, you know, right, if we can compete with these lads, what, what's going wrong in the interim that these lads have won eight All-Irelands since and we haven't? You know, that that's kind of, that, that, that would be a little bit frustrating, but... It was, um, oh, it was, it was, it was horrible to watch. I really hated every minute of it, to be honest. Yeah, it would have been, it would have been tough. All right, you mentioned you had the the injury that possibly would have kept you up, but no, I knew you would have bandaged it up and 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 probably chanced it anyway. I suppose you'd give up to, to play in a game like that, like. Oh, absolutely! You'd have been, you'd have been doing whatever you possibly could, and there, uh, you know, <laughs> it would have just been incredible just to to be out there and try and help in some way, like you know, because you just feel absolutely useless and. You know, I was just when you're when you're seeing. I think we went a couple of points up at one stage, and things were going nicely. And you're just praying to God they keep it going. You might get another game out of it because, like, it's oh, it it was just it was absolutely sickening. And I think it probably did a good bit of growing up for me. And I needed it. I think I was probably childish enough and a bit immature. And probably after the minor, I, I thought you know I could do whatever I liked. You know, and I'd getting silly, sending off and getting frustrated and different things. So it probably while it was a tough enough thing to put up with. It was probably something that I badly needed to, to kind of give me a kick in the arse and kind of just put it down to a life lesson and, and kind of grow up a small bit. Yeah, and I suppose at the end of the day, you, you still were a kid like, but it's mad because you were actually heading into your third year as a Carlos Senior football, despite the fact, uh, sorry, a Carlos Senior footballer, as you said, despite the fact that you're um, slender 21. So you went straight in, like you hadn't time to adapt. If that was a Kilkenny Horror or whatever, you're not flung straight in, you're given possibly 22 or 23 before you, before you play a game. But I suppose such was the talent of the site you're throwing straight in and I remember we've been up in 
Uh, Crow Park, Mead was your first championship game, I think. You're in full forward, were you? That's right, yeah, yeah. It was, I scored uh, a point early on, and then you got absolutely trimmed. <laughs> yeah, I think the better by about, oh, geez, it must have been 125 to 8 or something ridiculous. But, yeah, that was a, that was a fair old eye-opener. But it was, um, yeah, my first day coming in, actually, there were, the, the lads drew with Dublin up in Parnell Park, and I got called in for the replay, and my mocks were starting the next day, and you could imagine now how that went down at home. But I just I, I just couldn't not go, you know, the, the excitement and... It was, it was all you ever wanted. Like, I mean, Christ, the, the buzz the buzz of getting a call from a county manager was just incredible. Like, I remember we were actually, I, we were playing a, a hurling game at Puntlody at the time of school now, and I wouldn't be a fantastic hurler, but uh, I, I remember coming in and the, the looking at the phone and just seeing this missed call from his number and a message from Paul Beelan, and I remember being absolutely buzzing. And, you know, I always wondered afterwards, like, you know, why isn't that excitement there for, for, for people who just, don't want it you know don't don't come in don't answer the call for for the county you know i just for me anyway it just was an absolute no-brainer and we um we actually for the first game the first game we played in the league was down in clare and i was actually i was talking to brian carvey there on twitter he's he, he the first lad to sit beside me in the bus and i was petrified to talk to him i didn't know what to say i just kind of sat really quietly and hoping no one would, would pick me out but um that was uh yeah so that first game was down in clare and we had we were meant to play Offaly the following week, and we were meant to be hurling uh, against a good council, I think, on the Saturday. And I remember Paul Peelan and, and Rory Kinsley, who had trained with Exeter at the time, he was a hurling trainer, having a huge barn on the phone. And I wanted to play the football, I had no interest in the hurling, and but I ended up having to hurl anyway, and I didn't do a whole lot of it either. But um, I remember just football just took over completely, completely consumed me, you know. And it was it was a fantastic time. Like it, it was really special to be. I suppose maybe my mum and dad might say it probably took the eye off the ball a small bit with the old, uh, with the old studies, but it was um, it was an incredible start to a county career. Surely was, and I, I'm just thinking back to the standout days, uh, loud in 2011. Uh, St- Stephen Barwick, of course, who we had on the podcast last week, one of the most entertaining men on Twitter. I think he said he was. I should call his podcast episode "My Right Foot" or something. Uh, foot <laughs> like an anvil, but I actually remember that free going over and. Uh, yeah, that was uh, was that the post back level before Brendan kicked the winner. Yeah, that's right. It was it was funny because I actually I missed one from closer in about five minutes beforehand, and you know it's it's funny actually that the change and kind of maybe mindset in in county football in general, like because if that was now after missing the first one, I'd have, you'd have been going short or you'd have been trying to work it closer for a free. But again, there was a, probably a certain a little bit of innocence and naivety back then still, you know, but it hadn't really gone to that really cynical nature and uh, it was a few few yards further out and so I said I'll have a whack at it but uh, and then Brendan got the, the the three points to kind of or the point in the end to finish it up with three overall but that was uh, that was some day like that really that really was because it kind of came out of the blue to a certain degree like it's it, it, you know we, we did an all right league but Jesus the the outpouring of emotion and Carpenter's that night I think Carpenter had to get about three or four new TVs the place was absolutely left in a mess there was all sorts of stuff in the walls but it was um Jesus it was a brilliant time like and it was probably as I said it was still before GA went totally the other way for us anyway you know it was there was still a certain innocence about it like and and a good innocence in a, in a sense I think possibly something that we kind of might need to get back to a little bit you know away from the regimented kind of professionalism let's say but uh, we 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 definitely enjoyed that night or two after. Anyway, but uh, then the, the, I think it was Wexford gave us an awful trim in the semi final, which which was kind of frustrating because you're thinking right there that's just a one off. You know, it wasn't an actual 
it wasn't the process that you've been building to and, and working to a system. It was just a great day that you, that you have to appreciate for what it is as well, you know. Yeah, and you made a great start. You kicked a, a kind of a carbon copy almost uh, of that score in, in Port Leeds, I remember, under the, under the Hogan stand in, in Crocker as well. And ah, they go in for piss easy goals then. And sure, that kind of, that was the end of that. Um, but like, what was the build up like to it? You're right down there beside Wexford. That would have been tasty enough. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was actually, it was good. Like there was, um, there's always a bit of crack with the, with the Wexford lads. Anytime you go into the golf club in Montlody, there's always, uh, there's always a bit of back, back, back and forth, you know, but, it was uh, it was incredible to be to be in, back in Croke Park again, but probably after the minor thing, uh, Croke Park kind of it, it wore off a little bit to a certain degree. It was like no look, no big deal. You're you're back. You're playing other matches. Not a, not a huge thing, but it's it's a special thing to have to say you've done it. You know, but it, that was that was really frustrating that that game because it just you know it just really felt like look we we have ourselves set up here to to kind of really push on and make a bit of a name for ourselves. But we kind of you know relapse back into old habits you know and in the end it was just it was just a complete false dawn really because I, I think you know I don't know if we were if we were correctly ready to take the next step you know to really become kind of more competitive with, with teams at a higher level but look again it was a learning experience you know it was you, you, you put it down to just building a bit of resilience building building your uh, reservoir of kind of information you have of do's and don'ts you know and there's there's a few don'ts like in, in that game unfortunately but um but again look a phenomenal experience and, and definitely something we all took took a good bit from i think yeah the me game the following year um you drew with them jj i think got a last minute goal and then you had you had severe hamstring trouble actually i, I don't know if that was the same injury that was kind of at you before that 21s game with Dublin, but um you did well to actually kind of overturn that injury because that's that's not an easy one to, to to deal with like and i'm sure you had to work hard at, at kind of keeping it at bay yeah i would have had and, and probably this is kind of what i was coming back to with let's say it took me a while to grow up a little bit and kind of mature a bit because I again after the minor years, you know, you, you when you're 18 or 19, you can eat what you want, you can do what you want, you can, you know, there, there wasn't really any S and C as such, you know, that wasn't really a thing. So you were you were just kind of going out and playing, you know, there was no there was no kind of dynamic warm ups or any of that kind of jazz, you know. So it was it was something I needed to get right because I, I wouldn't be naturally the most athletic person, like you know, it's something I have to work extremely hard on and to try and even just get anywhere close to passable, you know, it's just not, it just wouldn't be the part of my game that I'd be dependent on ever really, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, it, it kind of took me till about maybe 23 ish after college kind of finished up and stuff to, to really take, um, strength and condition a little bit more seriously and, and not from the point of view of getting yourself big and muscly as you can, but like from the point of view of just getting yourself on the pitch as much as possible. And like, I remember I used to wreck my head that I'd never finished a full league campaign at all. Like I think it was maybe, 20, 2014 or something like that before I actually completed a full seven games or eight games whatever it was with Kilkenny in it back then you know and that used to drive me insane like that I'd have maybe two games get injured and that'd be it then into the championship you know so I think then once I got that kind of side of things right um, I, I managed to kind of keep myself on the field for a, a fair bit of the following few years but it's it's something that and, and people probably don't give enough emphasis when you think you're you're going to the gym it's just to be lifting and doing different things but it's nearly just getting keeping yourself on the field and injury prevent, prevention is, is absolutely critical and it just wasn't really a thing like you know un, until maybe 2013 2012 something like that maybe it started to take off a small bit and then it probably takes you two or three years to to really get yourself to a level where you can take maybe four or five games week in week in week out 
take two or three sessions on top of that, you know, because it, it definitely is attritional in, in the winter months, you know. Is there any great secret to actually keeping yourself right? Because obviously you had to do something different to keep the injuries at bay. Um, exactly. Like in, in specific, I suppose, I know you mentioned the gym, but like what specifically kind of are you looking at? Is it flexibility stuff? Um, what, yeah, what are you looking at there? Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably more flexibility stuff more than anything else, really. And, um, you know, we, we've had lots of really good S&C fellows over the last day, Sheen, and we had Wayne Middleton to start and, and Kieran last year kind of is taking over now. Like just just kind of keeping yourself as limber as possible. Like it, it all seems to stem from the hips, from my from my point of view, anyway. So it's just small little kind of corrective exercises and bits and pieces like that that you kind of have to be doing most days just to get yourself right. And in fairness, like again, that's not uh, anything unique to me or anything. Like if you go into a dressing room now before or go up to Fen on a Tuesday night, you'll see lads doing all sorts of little individual things that they need to have done to to actually get out and train to ensure that it can that they can go on for as a full session. Um, on a Tuesday night full session on a Friday and a match on a Sunday and be able to repeat that week in week out and and that's again just comes from knowing your own body so as you said I had to hamstrings were probably at the start my you know Achilles heel um to a set in a sense but so I had to that was something that I had to get right and I had my own specific little bits and pieces for that for someone else it could have been um quads for someone else it could have been calves you know so it's it's just probably consistency of, of keeping yourself as loose as possible, and if that means like you, you you don't necessarily have to be in a gym to do that. You know, if it's just ten minutes at home, just trying to just trying to open out and do a bit of stretching or whatever it is, um, that's probably what what you need to do. But definitely, the the driving doesn't doesn't help things at all. Like anyone that's doing that's doing M fifty or or M seven when it was in the roadworks or anything like that, you know, they definitely have to do a little bit extra to get themselves right. You know, we'd have um. I know I'd always have tried to get down an hour before training because I, I'd need it just just to be loose because you're going out like a plank if you if it's quarter past seven and you were you were running out in the field just going straight into it like uh, I remember Kieran Moore and he used to manage to come down at twenty five past he'd be ready to go at twenty eight minutes past and still still manage to get out and he'd be flying around in trains you know but I suppose Moore was a bit of a freak but you know that's just it's just getting to know your body you know and, and that you probably only get to know that after a couple of years of different things happening of injuries of you know whatever it is so. It's um yeah, as I said, it's it's more it's flexibility is probably the big thing. I'm big and bold enough as it is, so I don't need to be lifting all up, but um it's just trying to keep keep yourself as, as limber as possible. Um one of the kind of standout moments off the pitch was the the fight night you had over the Dolman back in uh Jesus must have been the end of twenty eleven. It's uh, that was uh, that was quite entertaining and I think there was a lot of money made that night as well. Um there was, there was a, a bookies thing set up and uh, the odds are absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> uh, you you boxed the horse that night, I think, did you? I did. <laughs> he, he has my nose still kind of crooked after that. It was, uh, oh, geez, that was chronic. I absolutely emptied myself for the first round. And as I said earlier, the condition mightn't have been great at that time of year either. So I had nothing in the tank for the third round. <laughs> I just I just wanted it to be over as quick as I could. But it was, uh, that was actually, that was really good crack. That was uh, Anthony Rainbow's first year. And it was, it was really, really enjoyable. And I think they made huge amounts of money. But I always remember the, the I think it was Brian Murphy and Derek Hayden was the the big prize the heavyweight fight at the end of the night and it was a good fight actually absolutely demented yeah. it was yeah. <laughs> it was yeah they had uh, geez, they absolutely went at it but Brian was a real brawler and I think Derek was picking him off a little shots here and there but I think I, I remember Alan Kelly the briar was over there and he had a few vodka and lemons and he throw him in the air and Murphy didn't get the decisions you know. <laughs> <laughs> He, he's he's known to throw an odd tantrum, uh, Briar, I suppose. called Briar for a reason. Uh, another good servant, in fairness, he was there with you for, for a long time, wasn't he? 
oh, listen, uh, such such a good character. Like, you know, I mean, if you ever wanted to go for a pint with the lad or, you know, have, an old, have a few laughs, like he, he's just something else. And to be honest, he was actually a huge loss when he left the panel because he, he's just wanted, he's, you know, I know he, he'd have his moments like of we'd be throwing the straps, but, you know, he he's just such a good servant and he's fantastic to have around the panel. Like, I mean, the back of the bus when he left wasn't quite the same. You know, if you're going down to Waterford or Leach or whoever and the stories that he'd have, uh, last night it was he, he's such a good character you know and and, and lads like him you, you'd probably really miss when you go away from it you know absolutely and i suppose a lot of lads have um you know benny cavanagh is another one who, who stepped away and stepped away before i got this podcast going but another guy as well who incredible like they're as long as you were i'd say yeah yeah and, and, and that's 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 why i'm kind of feeling I don't know a, li- a little bit awkward about kind of and how nice people have been and stuff because like there's, you know, there's been so many people that have soldiered and soldiered and soldiered and got nothing and got nowhere. And, you know, I, I'm just blessed that I had such a good group of lads that all came around at the same time as me and blessed that we had a management like we had for most of my career with Turlough and Poacher. You know, it was so lucky because there's so many fellas that might have missed out on that, you know, that might have retired a couple of years earlier and maybe never had the, the plaudits or those days, you know. So that's why it, it doesn't sit fantastically well with me because I, I just I'm aware that I'm a very small part of of a huge wheel of lads that have have given unbelievable service like I mean you, you know it, it's got better definitely since I've been around you know the conditions have got better the expenses your food and gear and all that stuff like I mean go back maybe 16 17 18 years ago when as they were with Paul Kelly's kind of time um it, it's a different story and it mightn't have been it, it might have been an awful lot harder to play intercounty football you know because everyone says you know it's a real geez 13 years an awful how did you manage it at all but to be honest like there was no managing to it like it was yes there was down times and it was tough be times but it's still i mean the 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 positives kind of were were far away in the negatives you know yeah and those positive times came when when you mentioned poacher and and turlow uh came in turlow is you know the just such a good guy because i would be very good friends with turlow the same as you would like and he's Mm. just You'd be over and back talking about Yorks there, and the same with Tom Wogan, another man I fierce time for, and we'll be talking to regularly about about different things and stuff. But uh, the boys coming in and bringing in Porter as well, like you got, you some that's three great characters in their own different way, very different, but but very very good characters nonetheless. Like, uh, listen, I just I don't think I don't think as a group of players we probably will ever know how lucky we are to have those lads. Like, and and even from the county board's point of view, to have those three fellas, like I mean like volunteers doesn't even do a service like i mean i know turlo or turlo and tommy wouldn't wouldn't have even take ever gotten an expense sheet like you know it's just such good carlo people and you know it's so hard it's so hard given like the resources that carlo would have to be to be to be trying to attract managers and trying to get big names and different things but like we were just so lucky that that group all came at one time pretty much you know and carlo just to the absolute core and even poetry and fairness to him like i don't think anyone could deny that he was in it for the right reasons. Like it wasn't for making his making his few bucks at the end of it or anything like that. I mean, he 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 to, to train us. It definitely cost him more than he was getting, you know, in expenses or whatever. Because like that, the hours that those men put in, traveling up and down the country and going to games, like Tarlow be going to ridiculous games. Self and Tommy be taken off there in, in the white van. They could end up anywhere in the country. Like you know, they they were such good characters and. 
you know, they're the fellas that you'll really remember and that you'll really appreciate. Like, I, I know I got messages off the off Turlow and Tommy, and I, I swear to God, they bring a tear to your eye. Like, they're just such such good people, and I I can't I cannot emphasize that enough. Like, they, they were just incredible, and I feel so lucky to have had them as, as a management team because things could have been so much different without them. Yeah, and um, they brought great change as well. You you've seen that firsthand. What was what was different about what the lads did in comparison to previous management teams? Well, it was it was kind of a step by step sort of thing, uh, Kevin. The, like initially, when Turlow came in, I remember just just the, the excitement and the buzz that, that he finally got the job. You you see you see him up in the terrace there, and he'd be he'd be crocking out and giving out, and he'd know that he's just mad to get the job, you know, for before he actually got it. And he came in halfway through twenty fourteen, and like to be honest with you, things were absolutely abysmal, like probably as bad as they've ever been in there, and. You know, it's just it's just the way it was, like, and and things weren't being done correctly, and the the culture wasn't right, and the the how players perceived the county wasn't right, and and there wasn't the respect wasn't probably being given to the jersey for whatever reason, and you know, yeah, when the lads came in, when when Turlo initially came in, like, just to get the the lift initially of 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 such a passionate Carlo fella was, was incredible because we we probably had. Uh, outside managers all the way up nearly for me you know so it was it was kind of a real novelty to to have Tarlow getting his rattle at it and you know it was a step-by-step thing and, and it definitely wasn't perfect you know 2015 2016 they, they weren't they weren't hectic but again we probably didn't we didn't have everyone we needed and you're you're fighting an uphill battle in Carlo it's already hard enough trying to split with the hurling football but when you don't have all the footballers you need you're you're, you're going up you're going up a hill totally you know so it definitely took, it probably took Poacher to come in. And I remember in, when was it? The 2016, November 2016, uh, his first meeting. And, and in fairness to Turlow, like to, to be able to recognize that this this character was, was what we needed and to be able to, to say, look, I need to focus on management because God knows there's so much to it. And he needs to be able to take care of the football stuff. And I remember going into that meeting in 20, 2016, November, it was actually, remember uh, the All Blacks um, New Ireland played over in Chicago? It was that night. It was absolutely yeah, yeah. raging because I was thinking, I won't be home watching this now and I have to go into this meeting. And because 2016 didn't really end well and for me personally, I didn't particularly enjoy 2016. I, I was playing a lonely role in the full back line and you you see me playing, Kevin, I wouldn't exactly be a man marker with a terrific pace or anything like that. So I, I, I really wasn't, I wasn't enjoying it, to be honest. And I remember going into the meeting thinking to myself, I had a list of things in my head that I was going to say and I was going to give out about this, that and the other, you know. And I went in and Poacher just, wasn't that many lads there initially. There might have only been 13 or 14 fellas. And I'd say Poacher thinking to himself, what am I after getting myself in for? But he had this little kind of a booklet done out for us about how we're going to play, what kickouts we were going to use, and he had the scores we conceded over the last couple of years in league games. And he said, this is the first thing we're going to sort out, lads. And it just, everything I was going to say, he said. And I remember coming home from that meeting, being so invigorated and excited about what was what was coming. I was just like, we've been waiting for someone to do this for us, like practically all my career. Like, as I said, the last person that really went into detail of this stuff was, was Declan McGovern back in minor. And, and now we finally have... We finally have what we're looking for, I think, and I just remember being so so excited for that year. And we only trained on Sunday mornings initially, um, just once, just once, uh, once a week on on the field with with, with Turlow and Poacher. And he he was only coming down from down for that Sunday morning. And I just remember, I think it was nine o'clock start, maybe or something like that. And I normally hate mornings, waste of time Sunday morning sessions for me. Yeah. I enjoyed it so much. Like you'd be absolutely buzzing going to training because you're like. 
we're going to be doing stuff that's totally relevant to our game plan, to what we're doing, to our setup, our structure. We weren't going to, you know, to the Curra to run hills or we weren't going to do 16Ks in the forest. Like, we were going to play football. And I think that gave everybody so much energy. And it probably, it's so much easier to go to the pitch when you're saying, right, we're going to be playing football here. We're going to actually be doing the sport that we want to do, not training for Olympics or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? So we're actually, we're, and, and, and as a byproduct of that, you were getting more lads into the panel and then you were actually getting more relevant training to what you were going to be playing rather than training for a five kilometer test when, you know, when does that ever, when is that necessary for a game as such? You know, obviously you have to have your, have your base and all that kind of stuff, but you might only have four contact hours with your management team a week. You, you need to be working on your football, like, you know, kickouts and defensive strategies and, you know, I suppose the forward stuff kind of came a little bit later, but, you know, initially initially it was just such a buzz to be going to sessions and i just remember enjoying enjoying his trends to a level that i've never enjoyed football before it was just it was incredible you know yeah he's uh he's great charisma um is he your favorite for you know succeeding turlo or where do you see that going who, who would you like to see in there look i, I to be honest with you Kevin, I'm, not, I'm not being funny but i don't really know um i, I i've kind of i left left the whatsapp group and it's the famous thing but so i don't really know what's happening at the moment but I, I know, look, I think he's the only person that's actually put up his hand and said, said that I want a job. Um, if I if I was county board, I would be begging him to get back, to come back down. Absolutely begging him because he, he, he's, he can take us, he could take that group, sorry, not us. He could take the lads to the next level if, if he got a chance because he's just, I, you can see him, he's, he's kind of developing as a coach as well. And I think if he had the show on his own, with you know obviously he'll bring in his own backroom team or whatever or keep the lads that are there i don't know what the plan is but it'd just be it'd just be so good for for carlo because he's totally he's totally into it like he's not he's not doing it for the wrong reasons and as i said we don't exactly have a list of candidates lining up you know so i mean i'd just be absolutely going to him and he he has he has you know shown he has interest so it's an it's an absolute no-brainer for me I, i just don't don't think i don't think you're going to do any better like we're not we're not in a position to be to be handing out 50 grand expenses to some James Horn or whoever, you know, some big name, like we just can't afford that. So if you have this coach who's like clearly probably one of our most successful coaches of all time, with Carlo, more or less look, looking for the job, I, I think he, he, you know, it's, it's an absolute no brainer. Yeah. And I know Stevie fairly well. I get on with him as well. And I, I'm pretty sure he would acknowledge that working on the attacking aspect of that plan still needed that, little bit of fine tuning and i'm sure like if he did come back that that would be a priority like yeah i'd imagine so like it's it's funny as well right like when you look at when you look at it in its totality it's probably when let's let's be realistic every team has a level okay and and at the moment our level is is kind of between division three and four up and down sort of that would be my opinion on it and when we were playing teams at our level let's say in 2018 when, when i think we were actually totally organized because I think we took our eye off the ball 2019 if, if I'm being honest but 2018 I think we were totally tuned into what we we're doing everybody singing off the same hymn sheet everybody working to the same plan and we were putting up I think it was a 22 point averages in games in division four I mean mm-hmm. like what is it 214 against Kildare 217 against Loud like we you know I, I couldn't care less how we do it if you're putting up scores like that like, like have 15 behind the ball all day but if you're still scoring that kind of stuff fair enough but I suppose what people will always remember is maybe the Dublin game and the Monaghan game against teams that are totally out of our league let's be realistic we had to do whatever we had to do to try and to try and be 
competitive, you know, and I, I think he was clever enough. Like we're, we're, we're not blessed with um, 15 fours in the county to, to pick from 15 Bernard Brogans or something. Do you know what I mean? We have to play with the, with the hand where we were dealt. And for, for whatever reason, we seem to have a heap of midfielders. Or like there, there's probably half the forward line is all midfielders, just the way it's kind of worked out, you know. So you're kind of just trying your best to work with what you have. And like, I, I don't know. I, I think he, I can, I can see him if he did get, if he did get it. And as I said, I don't know what the crack is, but if he did get it, I could definitely see a, um, a movement towards trying to open that style of play a little bit more, you know, but I think the problem in 2019 when things became a little bit stale and, and, and last year, like it was more so the energy was gone from us and we probably weren't doing, as a group, we weren't following our roles the way we probably should have been, you know, and, and I think we all probably have to take a little bit of responsibility for that. Like we, I think we were a little bit lax even in, in the build up to Division 3. We probably didn't get as much work done as we liked. The Arog lads were away for a while and that's, like when that's when that system that we were playing, the counter-attacking style, when that doesn't work, it looks absolutely atrocious. And, you know, pr- probably we were figured out by a couple of teams, Longford and Leash especially, like they just knew they just knew what to do and, and, and how to kind of, how to break it down. And that's probably the next phase that we need to move to. You know, you, you still have a really good structure at the back and, and really well organized and tough tackling and all that kind of stuff. But you probably have to be a little bit more adaptable. And, and I think that's, that'll be a big challenge for, for the next man, whoever it is that comes in, you know, to try and, you, to, to get the balance of both because there's no point just going out and say oh have a go kick it in long do not what'll happen what'll happen is what happened in Wexford last year in the league where we conceded whatever it was 215 and that's no good for anyone you know what I mean so you have to strike the balance in between um, and look I just hope the next manager whoever it is is able to find that balance and you know it, with the players that are there like they're as good as as is in Division Four and could easily manage in Division Three, but they have to be put into in such a way that they can that that they can play and to the best of their abilities. You know, play to the strengths that we have as much as is possible. And you know, if if, if you have if you have a, a setup that doesn't suit the players that you have, well, what's the point? Like, you have to do the best with who you have and the type of players you have. So look, I it's definitely something that that needs to be addressed. And kind of football is evolving at a phenomenal rate. But you have to strike the balance. And that will probably be the toughest thing for whoever's in next is to get that balance between being defensively sound, but also having a little bit more creativity, maybe. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly, lad. Uh, come here. Um, we have a quick fire round before we before we let you go um, to get there. I know club stuff is uh, very much uh, on the agenda as well. And promotion is back. So that's good news for Calavan and Gaul, who are not the, not too far off. Like I suppose a lot of teams are in the same boat. But it's great that there's a bit of sense sought in all this. Like... Yeah, it it was, and and fair play to the decision makers, whoever kind of pushed the idea as hard as they could to, to happen, you know, because you you need that as well. You need the carrot, like, and, and especially for some of the older fellas, like who who mightn't have a whole heap more years left, you know, they might want a year of senior if they possibly could, because you know, and and intermediate so bloody hard won at the best of times, like you know, you you'd say if you won intermediate, you want the reward of 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 going up, you know. So I suppose from that point of view, it's brilliant for. It's brilliant for the old lads like like Paul Kelly, you know, and these fellas that uh, <laughs> that need the incentive of one more year. But um, no, look, it's great, and I think the intermediate championship is probably one of the most competitive championships you're going to get. Like it's it's absolutely it's it's dog eat dog stuff, and you really never appreciate it until you're down there and you're trying to get out. But, but um, no, there's a really good buzz now at the moment. I'll be keeping in touch with lads, and you know they're they're training away. So looking forward to September. <laughs> Yeah, and you're you're enjoying, I suppose, being back with Calavan because you are with Sylvester's for a couple of years. Yeah, no, I am, I am, and look, it was 
it was something that happened and you know maybe in hindsight you know you'd have done things differently um but look it's great being back with the lads at the moment and there's a real buzz around Kildavan at the moment like there's, there's a real effort being put in at the underage and there's loads of good people really trying to really trying to push it hard and look I, I kind of nobody ever really fell out with me over over moving away and I know Christy nailed down the road. He was ringing my mom there when I was in the hospital to make sure I was all right. Like fellas like that are just genuine kind of real GA people, and it's it's been it's actually been fantastic to be back with. And Pat Nolan at the helm, you know, he's really kind of got a good bond with the lads. You know, we he'd be making sure that for every twenty fifth and for every fiftieth birthday, we're all together and we're all having a few points after matches and doing these different things. And it's kind of a real throwback to probably you know what I'd imagine it would have been like to play in the nineties where. You know, you all went out as a group, all went out together and you had your bit of crack, but you trained hard then on the Tuesday afterwards and stuff like that. So it's, I have to say, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to, to having a good crack out of the game because obviously, you know, when you're playing whatever, six or seven or eight months of the year with Carlo, you kind of, some of that energy will, will have gone away to a certain degree, you know. So I'm really glad I can give something back to Kildavan and I hope, I hope there's a couple, a couple of good more years left to me. Please God with them. No, no doubt there is, Dan. Um, Right, uh, we have a quick fire round and some of these have been prompted by a certain person and not naming any names, but it might be Paul Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> um, he wants, uh, what's the story here? He says, Come ask, him, ask him what it was like coming back from the county setup when Tommy Wogan was involved and he, had, he got sick of club training. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, I think that was 20, oh God. Was it 2012, maybe? Or no, 2010, I think. I think we played Derry in a qualifier and then we had to come back. And I, I hadn't, again, remember I was telling you earlier with the, used to be injured for three quarters of the year and just get back to the championship game. So uh, we, we lost to Derry in a qualifier anyway. And I think it was Derry, anyway, And it was in Dr. Cullen. And then uh, we came back and he brought us up to Ballon Temple Woods. And again, as I was saying to you earlier, I wouldn't exactly be uh, more far or anything like that without long distance running. So. Tommy obviously knew what he was doing, so he put me in the real fast group, you know, at the front. It's about, I think it was about a mile run, and I I had never been down here before. I had no clue, so I had the breakfast going down, had a bit of weed, a bit or whatever, and I was thinking this would be grand, going to be a few sprints or whatever, no problem. Went down anyway, and sure, this run was about I think it was about a mile anyway. The lads took off. I think it was Corwin and Dyne and someone else. I think Paul Kelly actually. I don't know if he was even there. I I, I think he was on the beer somewhere the night before. But anyway, irrelevant. Um, Wouldn't be like him. No. <laughs> but Jesus, uh, this run took off anyway. And I'd say I got three quarters of the way through it, and I said to myself, "Here comes the Weedabix now." Anyway, so absolutely blue tongues down at Ballantemple somewhere. <laughs> And I remember Tommy was cycling the bike up beside me and I was walk, trying to walk up to the top of the hill. But uh, he'll never let me forget that one. That much. <laughs> yeah. He also wants to know what happened to your suit on your first trip to the Galway Races with Calavin Senior Footballers. Jeez, he's after pulling out a few, a few beauties. <laughs> this, again, this was part of that growing up thing I was talking about. Like, <laughs> I was, um, I think it was 19-ish or 18 maybe, I think. And uh, all, we said we'd all go over to the Gala races for the day anyway. So all the boys are bringing the suits. So remember those uh, the suits you used to wear to your debs, you know, the black ones with the, with the black shirt and the colored tie, whoever you were bringing yeah. was wearing a dress, you know, or whatever. So I had that suit on because we had a few points the night before. I think we had championship last Friday. So we, we went over and all the boys said, look, bring your suit, bring your suit. So I was half cut. I know you get out and threw the suit on me heading for Galway and went out to the car. Four boys in the back of the car laughing at me, wearing shorts and flip-flops <laughs> and all their 
I, tell you, I, I didn't waste any time when I got to Galway getting dressed, though. I was ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, right, that's that's kind of... I just have one or two more to, right. to, to add in. We said before we, we finish. Uh, Thought was about Choo Choo when he came into the county scene. I, I'm, I'm told he was a breath of fresh air, turning up in, in, in the snow training sessions and t-shirts and, <laughs> and then driving driving in football boots and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I th- well, first of all, no, he should be playing with Kildavin. Let's be realistic. No, he's half Kildavin, man, so he should, he should be no more notes. But uh, listen, that, that lad is just, he, he's, a, he's such a special character. Like, I mean, when he used to, <laughs> he used to be coming close enough to half past seven and all you hear is just rustling in the ditches and Fenna and he'd be, he'd be jumping over after running down and he'd have the old Michigan sweatshirt on him or something. Oh, Jesus Christ, he, he is something else. But, you know, he's another one of those fellas. He's kind of like a, He's kind of like an Alan Kelly fellow who you just need around the panel because uh, even just away from the football stuff for a minute, just he's such such a nice fellow. Like he really and truly is, and you get such a laugh out of him. But he is he is something else. Like I mean, he is unbelievable. Like, some of the yokes he used to be doing in training, like you, I've never seen the like. But he'd come out and he wouldn't even warm up done. He'd be pulling off balls with drop kicks, and I'd be looking at him thinking every muscle in my body would be gone if I tried to do that the way he's doing it. He was um he was probably the catalyst actually in fairness to him that that we kind of needed for for the way we were playing because with that transition game you need just unbelievable pace around the middle and as I said some some of us wouldn't exactly be lightning quick so he, he got us out of a fair few holes. But listen he, he I hope he plays for Carlo for the next ten years because that fella is just he he's he's pure gold right through, you know, and he's he's a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. I've never seen him like him. But hopefully he's uh, hopefully he's quite enough now to meet him in the Green Day Championship this year. <laughs> did it did it piss you off a little bit when he got the Man of the Match award and there was there was actually a couple of journalists saying that he was disingenuous for not doing the interview? Like I know you two the same as you, and that's just not his thing. He wouldn't he wouldn't go in front of a camera. That was like ridiculous. I thought at the time. Asher, look again. Would you be too bothered a bit with with some journalist who's probably just the first time they've ever seen you playing ever? You know what I mean. So again, you you kind of wouldn't take those notions really too seriously. But he that would be Sean's idea of hell if he had to if he had to go on Sky Sports in front of a camera. Jesus Christ, the board him. Like he'd be happier enough yeah. now going down the carpet and playing a few stout. No, never mind worrying about doing interviews. But um, no, listen, that was probably one thing that we had with that group was because there was a bit, little bit of media stuff that kind of was going against us, you know, here and there. And that kind of really galvanized things. And I used to drive Poach wrong as well, you know, and he'd be giving out about uh, leash pundits and different things, whoever. But um, like that, that was a real kind of, it brought us together as a group, I think, you know, when, when you, anyone used to get a bit of stick that, you know, we'd all kind of back in together and, 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 and kind of galvanize us a little bit. So it was uh, it was some achievement though to get to get a man of the match against a Dublin team like the, who they are. You know he, he was geez, he was phenomenal that day. Like and I kind of that just summed him up really. He's all action. He was <laughs> going forward at one stage and I remember him making up about he must have made up about three hundred yards and Dean Rock to make a block in the first half as well. Like just our second half maybe like phenomenal stuff. But uh, listen, uh, a, a fantastic fella. Absolutely right. The double barrel for the last one then. So I want the funniest moment with the Carlos Senior footballers or whatever stage it was and I want your, your best memory as well funniest moment Jesus there's one now um, I tell you one, one, of, one of the good nights we, one of the good nights we had we, we were up in Johnstown House and we had it, we're at a training camp and Antrim happened to be there as well so we played Antrim on the Saturday and um, this was, I think this was just before God I think it was, I think it was before we played Wexford in 2017 I think but uh, we were playing the match anyway, and there was always always a bit of cut in the practice matches. You know, Portugal used to love that, like having a bit of a schmozzle, so kind of everyone jumped in for each other. 
but there was holy war and, and actually the very man Chuchu was, was stuck in the middle of it but it, there was an absolute barney of around the middle of the field and the referee abandoned the game so everyone kind of everyone kind of calmed down anyway and went back and we're all in the pool real sheepishly kind of dashing around one side us and the other and it was real awkward man here went back to the back to the pub and, and Turlo said now lads two points off the bed you know so you can see Poacher kind of drifting toward the bar slowly after he had the second and you know a third was coming and then a fourth was coming and he knew a couple of the answer management team and different things and I kind of went off for about half an hour and came back down again and Craig Kearney was up singing all the Celtic songs in the middle of the table going absolutely demented in the residence bar in Johnstown Bridge and all the answer lads around him as well and it was it was just a golden golden weekend like it was some crack and um but just to see lads that were beating the heads off each other an hour earlier <laughs> to, to be drinking together arms around each other on, on, on tables was something else. There's a few people staying in the hotel, I'd say, they were wondering what is going on. But it was one of those really good bonding ones that we kind of, I, I think, was crucial to our whole thing. Like, it really got, really got lads to know each other a bit better, you know. And yeah, those so other men, best memory. The best memory. Um, yeah. Best memory. You know, it's probably I'd, I'd say look it'd have to be it'd have to be the day up in Antrim. Um, we we had kind of every year we had talked about Division Four, and it used to be it actually used to be really irritating every year saying, right, let out of Division Four now. We're going to get out of Division Four. We're going to this year it's going to be different, and you'd end up doing the exact same things that you did last year and wondering why you haven't won any games. And it used to be like mind-numbingly stupid, just to, like just going over it and over it and over. It doing nothing differently and still getting the same results. So to get out to get out of Division 4 that day up in Antrim in the Corrigan Park in the snow was was one of the best feelings I've ever had like and 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 and, and you can I'm not sure how you replicate that really like you know outside of obviously some big you know getting married or having kids or whatever I don't know but like that was just that was just a feeling I'll never forget and and the bus the bus journey on the way home like the crack we had, like pulling down the road to Poacher's house to get him himself and Marie to, to come on the road down. And, you know, we stopped into an apple green on the way and the place got absolutely raided. There was nothing left in the off license. Like that, that journey home was just, was just something special. And, you know, to see lads like from different clubs, all oh, just getting along so well that would probably kill each other a few years previous in the club game, you know, that was, that was one of the most special times that I've ever, I've ever came across. And, you know, it, it's it's stuff like that that that'll stick in the memory. You know, it's it's funny. Even before I kind of announced that I was finishing up, I, it still kind of things would be annoying you. Be, you'd be thinking of the negative and different things. But when you actually stop and take stock of of some of the good days, like they'll they'll be the ones that live with me. It won't be getting annoyed over tactics or getting annoyed over strategy. It'll be some of those days that we had as a group. Like they, they were just so special and. You know, it's again. I've just, I'm just so privileged that I had such a good team and management team around at the same time that I was around to to, to kind of to share it with. And only for that group, like it, it wouldn't have happened. You know, and it's, it's, it was a special, special couple of years. It was indeed. Well, listen. Um, on behalf of the supporters in Carlo, I'd like to thank you for what you've given us on a on a personal level, and obviously your contribution to the team over the last thirteen years. And then, obviously, for coming on the podcast as well. It's nice you to come on and be so open and honest and share some of those stories, and great for the people of Carlo to get the insight as well. So, thanks for that. Um, the very best luck, and um, you know, look after yourself health wise, most importantly, and then best luck on the field when you do get back there as well. If you can, if you can come off the golf course at some stage and stay away from from the whole Guinness. <laughs> we'll see how they go I'll give it a week out here and see what happens thanks a million Kevin the podcast is brilliant as well you're flying with it
Yes, my thanks to Daniel for joining us on the podcast and the very best look once again. Thanks also to the back in line injury and rehabilitation clinic belong to Clown and to Paul, who of course acted uh, as I said as assistant producer almost uh, for this particular episode. We're back again with the final episode of the My Time in the Gansey series on Monday. Until then, take care.